Welcome everybody once again to the Low Key Podcast. Back again as always, I am one of your hosts, Aaron Lanton, and as always, again, we are joined by Tim Malloy and Keith Denny. How are you guys today? Good. <laughs> that's been actually us for two to three weeks. One of us has been sick for the last two or three weeks, so that's why we've been going for just a little bit, but I think we're mostly back healthy, so we're coming back with um, an oldie but a goodie, The Power of the Dog, which came to Netflix Late December, I believe, right? 2015? Uh, feels like it, right? Wow. <laughs> but but definitely worthy a, a conversation. And uh, it's a film based in the late 20th century, uh, nearing kind of the, the end of the old West style. And we have... right? What, what was the year? It was like 1925. Oh, damn. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it... Look, I can't even get my math right. You're right. It was around that time. Uh so early 20th century, we're in the old West. We get out there and we're trying to figure out, okay, we got our cowboys. They're trying to, you know, keep things going. And one of the brothers um, decides he wants to find love. He brings in a new family and the son of the family is um, a little weird. And it has some interactions with, with Benedict Cumberbatch's character, who is like this rough, tough cowboy who doesn't take no, you know, no mess. And throughout this kind of psychological thriller, a bunch of different things happen. And uh, it's it's a pretty captivating movie. Um, you know, I, I think the three of us all think so. We thought it was good to come back, start with this one. And from this point on, we're getting, going to get into spoilers. So I had to tiptoe around all the craziness in the film. Uh, but uh, Keith, let's start with you. What did you think of the film? Um. So first I'll say like what I thought, I know, I know when I first saw the trailer, I said, I don't know what this is, but it seems like something I'd be into, right? Mm-hmm. And so I was expecting like some type of um Western thriller, which is, you know, it's it's kind of that, but not exactly what I expected it to be. And and then it wound up being this film. And I was um, I remember the first 10 minutes of it, I was like, I felt like I think I'm gonna be bored. I'm not sure, but I think I'm I'm I think I'm gonna feel like how I felt when I saw Lincoln, where I felt like I should appreciate it a lot more. <laughs> but then I started watching and I was like, there's something about this movie that is beautiful. Like from like the shots, from like how they create the atmosphere in the film, to the music, to the sound editing itself. It's just some some movies are just so well put together that I just appreciate it for that, right? And <clears throat> in the way that it tells its story, um, through all these elements, it makes it always has this feeling of dread that's over everything to me throughout the mm-hmm. whole film. But it's like I never really know what's actually going to happen, right? Like, I don't know why I feel this feeling of dread, but it always is it's building up very, very slow and in a, at a very slow and methodical pace. So did you feel like it paid off once it, it showed off what that dread was about? Did you feel satisfied with it? Hmm. Let me think for a sec. Uh... Yes, yes, and no. Well, so this is the thing, and this this getting more into like towards the end of the film, right? Sure. Like there was, and me and you have talked about this too. In my opinion, I feel like there was no reason for Peter to to kill Phil, right? Yeah. So Peter, the son of Rose, Peter who the felt son like who felt like. Rose, his mother, was being tormented by Phil Benedict Cumberbatch, that Benedict Cumberbatch, the evil cowboy. Right. And in in his mind. That, yeah, but there was like, there was nothing really inherently evil about Phil, right? About Phil or about, um, oh, yeah, yeah, you've been about Benedict Phil. Cumberbatch. Yeah. Uh-huh, yeah. Uh-huh, but, uh-huh. but the movie, how it plays itself out, and even when you look at the trailer, it makes you think, oh, this dude is going to be something else. Like, he's going to be, like, this abusive... Um, yeah, I'm scared. He, like, going to, like, assault somebody real bad. Right, you know, right. Like lose a, a limb or something crazy. Yeah. 
And and it does kind of switch it on its head when you're like, so um, because I, I don't know if me and you were talking about this where it was one, is it one of those films where people appreciate because there's no clear villain in the film? Mm-hmm. But there is a villain. Like, yeah, there it, is one. It has to be Peter, right? Like, he did not have to do what he did. And that and that's that's just that's one of the things that I, I think that I just even wanted to, us to have a conversation to kind of unpack that. Like, and what was that really even about at the end of the day? Like, did he really feel like this man was a threat to his mother? And her and his mother, Rose, was very um, pretty much she was exactly what Phil said she was. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that that is fair. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know about that. I feel like Phil drove Rose to drink and definitely like played on all of her all of her underlying issues and her lack of self-confidence and her fears and apprehensions. Let me ask a quick question of you. Let it hurt pretty horribly. Do you believe Peter, when he says that he simply found his father home? Oh, did he kill his father? No, I don't think so at all. Okay. The reason I'm asking this is the the thing that Keith and I talked about, because we didn't record everything we talked about you know that day i was mean before any of it because we're here today but uh <laughs> the thing that that i kept going back to is one in that same conversation where um phil's hand gets that open wound at least him getting that disease that kills him you know they like there's that rabbit under all the sticks and stuff blah 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 um and there's a couple of things that are really interesting there uh, that happen right after that. He gets the rabbit Phil thing. He tells him to kill the rabbit, tells Peter to kill the rabbit. Things not going to, you know, be like something that he finishes that Phil thinks he himself is going to have to finish. You can kind of see the scowl on his face and he's like, encourage him to go and do it. And then when he sees how swiftly Peter just pats his head and then kills it, he's like, Oh, Hmm. And that is also a hint to us as audience. This kid is, you know, a little more, um, you know, he has a propensity for violence that maybe we didn't quite catch on to. And also, um, the other part of that, too, is he says that his father said to him, Peter does, because, he, you know, Phil asks about his father and he, and he says, you know, my father said I wasn't kind enough. And then feels like, well, never had to worry about that. Or I guess, you know, he kind of got that part wrong. It made me feel like those words from his father didn't come from out of nowhere like that was a foreshadowing of sorts but it that he's kind of saying i'm a wolf in sheep's clothing to phil even though phil doesn't quite catch that he is but like on a farm there's got to be somebody who will go and wring the chicken's neck you know there's got to be somebody who just has that ruthlessness to get anything done in the wild Mm -hmm. west and i think that kid i think peter I mean, he wants to be a doctor, right? He has that ability to sort of separate the person from the problem. He has that ability to look at things really methodically. And so like when the rabbit needs to die early on, he just goes and recognizes, I'm going to have to uh, dissect some rabbits if I want to be a doctor. This serves the greater good. I'm just going to do it. And so Thomas and McKenzie is really freaked out. Why did you kill the cute rabbit? But in Cody Smith, McPhee's mind or Peter's mind, it's very clear this is just what has to be done. And he has no emotional connection to that rabbit. And I think with Phil, once he starts to understand Phil, once he starts to understand Phil's big secret of being gay and really very closeted gay, and he knows that he's gay too, he sort of thinks, all right, how can I use this to get what I want, which is to protect my mother? So he is acting out of love for his mother more than just acting out of being a total, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, 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 don't, I don't think that that, I don't think he's doing it solely to, you know, kind of just act out some some violent need. I think it's a tragedy. It's like two, I think it's just like a classic tragedy where it couldn't really go any other way because once this explosive person of Phil Burbank with all his secrets runs up against Peter with all his secrets and underestimates Peter so badly, just something bad is inevitably going to happen. And for the latter part of the movie, I'm like, oh my God, poor Peter, he's going to end up like getting like sexually taken advantage of by Phil Burbank and that's kind of where you think it's going and then you realize that Peter's just using himself as a lure basically 
to uh, infect Phil with anthrax. But so I guess that's the question, though. Um, do we believe? Because you said something interesting. You said that Phil underestimated him. Oh, yeah. I, but I, I don't. It's like that assumes that Pete or Phil either means to harm Peter either just to like physically harm him or you do something sexual to him or whatever, you know, by force or whatever it is. I don't know. Um, I'm not sure there's an underestimation to be had. It's felt like he had a genuine um, affection for Peter. Yeah. I, I guess that's the fun. Fun is a weird word, but sort of the fun in games. If we're talking about like the, uh, that school of screenwriting, the uh, Save the Cat school or whatever it is, where you have like a certain section of the of the film mm-hmm. that is fun in games of just like, where is this going to go? What's going to happen next? Mm-hmm. There's definite, where is this going to go? What's going to happen next section that like Keith said is like really menacing. Like is something bad going to happen to Peter? Because um, you don't really think like, oh, Peter and Phil are going to end up together. That's nice. Like you don't, you don't go like. Well, oh, it can't be that. Huh? It can't be that. It's like, like, or, or as, as in, like, they're gonna go live happily ever after somewhere. You know, that's not gonna happen. So you're like, oh my god, is Phil gonna like have sex with Peter and then be ashamed of it and kill Peter or something, or is he just mm-hmm. gonna like break Peter's heart, like best case scenario, and right. then it goes in a totally different direction. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You know what? It, yeah, go I, ahead. I was gonna say real quick. For I never thought that until until you mentioned it i never thought that peter character was gay i guess that's what people would should assume that peter was gay yeah i did i didn't I, assume I, he was i never it's definitely well, a possibility well, yeah i i mean to to tim had mentioned it but i definitely felt of course <clears throat> i'm sorry there's definitely a lot of clues in the film that let us know that um phil was gay and if not just like straight up gay, he definitely has something a little bit um, very intimate going on with, um, what was the name? Buffalo, Buffalo Bill. Bronco Henry. But what, what was look, it? Look, look, I almost did that too. Bronco Henry. Best Bronco name. Henry, my bad. Buffalo what, um, Bill. This is the wrong film. <laughs> but yeah, but he, it's like he always talked about Bronco um, Henry. And I felt like, just like what Aaron said, I think that he did have a genuine um, affection towards Peter, which might be more like, um, you know, he probably felt him to be a kindred spirit in some type of way. Like he, he, he may have been more like Peter oh, yeah. when he was younger than he mm-hmm, would want mm-hmm. to admit. Well, and then there's so many good little asides that turn out to really pay off. Like when he mentions he went to Princeton and studied classics, like that was sort of the, I don't know. I was listening to a a long podcast about Once Upon a Time at Bennington College, it's called. And they allude to like how the classics department was kind of like the place for closeted gay men. Um, And for for Phil to say that classics... um, that he, st- that he studied, I think, Greek and classics is like a little bit of a coded thing of, oh, he's gay, and that he's 1920s gay. Um, and then there's also the thing where, mm-hmm. where uh, Peter mentions to his mom, oh, I've made a friend at school. And she's like, that's nice. Like, she kind of knows like who th- what friend means. Um, mm-hmm. That's how I interpret it. I th- and I mean, I think, I think Phil definitely thinks Peter's gay because he makes flowers into two in this hyper-masculine world, anything beautiful is perceived as gay. Yeah. Um, right. So I think and when he goes after Peter, it's not only his way of deflecting any concerns from, it's deflecting um, from him being exposed, quote unquote, as gay, because I think that Phil is probably constantly afraid that his men will realize he's gay, um, even though they probably never think about it. Um, mm. And he also just hates Peter because he sees part of himself. I mean, it's that whole thing of when you pick on somebody, it's because you see something about yourself that you don't like. Okay, now here, here's the thing. Now, Keith, let me. I don't remember if you read it this way. I remember telling you this is how I saw it when I was watching it. But it felt like Rose believed that Phil was being nice to Peter in order to further torture her. That's what, at least that's what she believed. That's what it felt. I like. could see. I could see that. Yeah. Or 
you know, or she she probably just felt that. Because remember, she does, she because that's the other thing. Because you mentioned the the Tim the stuff with oh I got a friend da da da. The yeah. fact that he was hanging with because remember she keeps getting upset uh, when Phil <clears throat> and Peter go out together at any point. She does not want them alone. Yeah. She does not want Phil influencing Peter. But that reminds me of there's a thing on The Sopranos where Michael Imperioli, Christopher, is like fucking with a guy, like trying to intimidate him. And he just like brings his dog home and he's like, oh, hey, I found your dog out wandering in the neighborhood. Like, I'm just good buddies with your dog. And that's the insinuation. It's like, I could kill your dog anytime. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> that's kind of how I looked at it. Like when Benedict Cumberbatch would take, I should, I should say Phil Burbank, when Phil Burbank would take Peter, like on these long rides, it was like, I could just do something bad to your son at any time. Yeah, well, because that's the thing. It It's almost like when I was watching her get upset it's like that's what she was reading into it i don't know that phil was thinking that but that seems like that's what she was feeling like that's the message she was receiving from <clears throat> peter going with phil anywhere but it's also like this thing see see i, I that's why i like this movie because i think it can be interpreted in so many different ways right mm-hmm. i never really felt like peter was in danger with Phil. I didn't. I didn't but, feel that, but but, I, but certain, she definitely thought so. Right, but in certain way, like after a point, like there was a there was a point where I was like that, where I was like, yeah, he's gonna do something to this. At the beginning, yeah, this, yeah, in the beginning. But as they started to hang out, like the first time that I noticed it was when they were looking at those um, what is it, like mountain, right, right, the mountain, yeah, and he saw oh, yeah. what what uh, Bron- uh, Bronco Henry saw. Yeah. The, the the sleeping dog, right? Mm-hmm. And he was like, "Oh, you saw that the first time." Did anybody see it, by the way? Like when you in the movie? Could you <laughs> no, yeah, it? no, I know. <laughs> I tried. I could not see it. Yeah. <laughs> and um, we city boys. That's why we don't. So see it. it was that, and it was when he killed the rabbit, and that's when I was like, "No, this dude is actually is is actually in some type of way a sleep uh, a sheep in wolf's clothing." Mm-hmm. Yeah. and and it was and that's that's when that's when i realized it wasn't so that in some in some way phil was more in danger than peter was in danger totally and i i like the misdirection where i don't think i at least didn't pick up on that at all like i got the foreshadowing of the rabbit at the end when i saw how like ruthless and efficient peter could be but i was just panicked for peter the whole like last section of the movie where but- i really thought well, I mean, but but so it's just we. It, I guess it, it is interesting how differently people watch this movie, because by that time, I'm not thinking that at all. Mostly because while we get by the time we get to that scene, we're talking about where, um, you know, it's like oh, something could happen, something could not happen. Right before that, Rose sells all of the. Um, the, the cow hides yeah and you know he wants to finish phil does finish making a whip which i didn't know what it was for first but then he says okay like you know i needed those i needed those that and he's upset that his brother allowed his wife to sell them gets to this whole thing and then when peter says you know i wanted to be like you um so i made these first off he knows phil just loves somebody sucking up to him and i was like damn like yeah he's reeling them in and then you see phil just say thank you thank you so much like i want you to be there when i when i make it like he's not to me like that's not somebody who's saying that because like they're finna assault somebody or they're like planning to do something bad like this is a moment for him of appreciation and him wanting to be present when he's finishing and doing something that he really cares about especially like to his hero uh, uh, uh bronco henry (laughs) By that point, yeah, but before that, I think I think there's a turn. I think there's like an emotional turn in Phil where Phil is actually seduced by Peter. Right. And I think before that, Phil is trying to seduce Peter. Hmm. Yeah, I think so. But then the, the power dynamic shifts. But then it's also like, I don't know why I was just thinking about this. It was like, to me, Phil reminds me of like guys that you might know that might you know, do shady things like, I don't know, like a drug dealer or a gangbanger or whatever, but they actually not that bad. 
Like yeah. meaning like I would hang, I could hang out with certain people. Mm-hmm. I couldn't hang out with Peter. Peter no, off the no. back, just how the guy, I don't, I don't know how he's how he's played. He's just played in a way that like this dude could be a serial killer. <laughs> well, he just, he just <laughs> operate so when people don't be talking a whole lot, you know, and they just, I don't know. It's a, it's a vibe, you know. Right. Well, you just be like you you present physically here with us, but like you're not really here with us. And that little clicking thing he was doing. Oh yeah, people who do that kind of stuff, I get a little nervous because I don't be knowing right. why they're doing that. Or like, oh, like what's bothering them? What they need to do the thing that makes them centered again? Like what what's happening? And, that, it's, that, and it's usually, is it me? And it's usually that guy that's like Phil that's actually the person that's the weakest and the scared. And the person that's actually scared the majority of the time. Yeah. And um now I always thought I thought it was interesting when I, you know, just thinking about this again, is how he um he always tried to pick on people's like insecurities. Like his brother, he always called him a fat boy. But he loved his brother. He loved his brother to death. But for whatever reason, he cannot not be offensive towards well, him. Well, well, well you, you know why? It was just being real. You know how we ain't mentioned this man the whole movie? Oh, the brother? He's a plot device. Like at least the way he functions in the movie. I thought I thought in the beginning that it's kind of a fight between civilization and the wild. Like that's what I thought. <clears throat> that's what I thought it was gonna be too. I thought mm-hmm. George was like the person who wants to be civilized, and that's why he appreciates the flowers and he appreciates all this extra effort that Rose goes into. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like one thing I love like that's a pretty typical Western plot of like civilization versus, you know, the wild man and you kind of need the wild man to like protect the town so that civilization can flourish. Mm-hmm. And then it just totally takes that and turns into like a Hitchcock mystery by the end. And you don't know that it's going to turn into that until like the last five minutes, which I thought was one of the most incredible things I've ever seen in the movie. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I just want to say, so in case anybody's not clear on where I stand, I think this movie's amazing and like, probably the best movie I saw last year in, in a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I I uh I like how it twisted that expectation. But I don't I don't think George is just a straight up plot device. Like George is interesting. He's kind of pitiable, but he seems like he has a good heart. Yeah, I agree. I don't think he's just a plot device. But when I call him a plot device, what I'm just mostly speaking to is just like he pretty much just he's a rant like so he's either in the city doing whatever he got to do or he is present to just kind of be fussed at by Phil or pity for a moment by Rose. Uh, he doesn't really have a relationship with, uh, well, yeah, he, he doesn't really have a relationship with Peter. Um, it's such a, not really. It's such a rad movie because just that very first scene where, you know, he asked George is very clean and he asks his brother, have you ever considered the local bath? And Phil is like, no. And so we realize that George is fastidious. Phil will go out and do his cattle stuff and then mm-hmm. not bathe. And we think, oh, it's that just that separates the dichotomy of the two brothers. Like the one is the rugged one, and this one, and George is kind of the um clean-cut fussy one. And then you realize yeah. that actually there's that, but also phil is like way overcompensating first he doesn't like taking his clothes off around other men because of his issues about you know being closeted and then also he equates like being physically dirty with somehow being more rugged or more unassailable well but but like i said to keith i think the thing that that's wrapped up in um is the um the handkerchief that um bronco henry has like he's it's like that sense of smell and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. It's almost like he's trying to keep that with him. Maybe that also adds to the, to the dog thing. Because I was going to ask you, because I'm thinking that Phil represents the dog. Like when they, with the title being the power of the dog. Okay. Like and, uh, yeah, go on. I'm sorry. No, nah, I was I was just going to add to that is that, because I've been sitting here thinking like, why is this damn movie called the power of the dog? And I was thinking about, for one, just like what you said about the scent with the handkerchief or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I also was thinking about how, in a sense, when you think about it, a dog is is usually a certain type of way 
until someone comes and I guess kind of um, tame the dog in a sense. Mm-hmm. And I think that like in in Phil's case, the original person was Bronco. Mm-hmm. And so that person shaped him to who he became, right? And now everybody else before that was never the, I guess you could say, quote unquote, alpha enough to tame him in a way. Like, so so everybody else, he just sniffed out whatever their insecurities were, right? Mm. Kind of like how I, I always think like how dogs, they can sense certain things about people's energy and stuff. And so, um, so because of that, he acted accordingly i guess you know and so but with with peter it comes into something different where in the way peter was able to 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 tame him and then also came to the conclusion that the dog had to be put down mm. i i love that i also <clears throat> i also love something you said earlier about wolf and sheep's clothing because that made me think peter is the dog because there's that bible verse deliver my soul from the sword my darling from the power of the dog Psalm 2220. And I had no idea what that even meant. And so I went to like one of those Bible explanation sites. And one thing they said is that the dog was equated with like a pack animal that sort of like pounces ruthlessly on on its victim along with a bunch of other dogs, mm. um, which is kind of, they thought of dogs as kind of cowardly in that way. And they likened it to the Romans who killed Jesus because like Jesus is by himself and vulnerable and putting himself out there. And the Romans are just a pack of dogs who just like go after him and so that made me think maybe it's peter who is the dog because he's sort of ruthlessly going after phil but he appears to be a sheep mm-hmm. so i don't know and then i also like yeah. that the the only characters who can see the dog in that mountain are the three gay characters um mm-hmm. which i guess this movie like sort of goes along with the idea that like gayness and artistic bent or like poetic bent are are connected which you can you know agree with that or think that's a stereotype or whatever but in this movie that is like the magic that these three characters share like they're able to see the beauty in this you know what someone considers the barren landscape and i thought that was really really interesting and that's sort of the power of the dog is like their ability to see beyond the just rugged um kind of barren i wouldn't call it ugly but it's not it's stark and it's raw and it's scary and wild you know and actually the there's something you just say that it just made me think about something which i mean it's come to mind now but i guess when you put it that way it, it crystallizes it maybe a little more which is that is so george is not uh phil's brother is not in any way when when Bronco Henry comes up and it's like, look at all he gave us. He's George is never like, you know, well, that's not true. Yeah. You know, Bronco Henry didn't give us this, that, and the other. Like he has an appreciation. But he also, there are things about his brother that he knows he just wants to accept. He doesn't want to judge him harshly in any kind of way. But he we we can probably assume also knows the relationship that Phil had with Bronco Henry. Yeah. Which is one he did not have and didn't want to have. It doesn't seem he talks a lot about being lonely out, you know, in the West doing what he does and having to handle the business he does. And so when he sees a woman that he believes could, you know, keep him comfort and, and be nice to him and all that, he's like, I'm just going to take a chance. I'm getting married now. It's done. Yeah. You know, he's seeking, you know, companionship with someone he really cares for. It maybe he did not have that, you know, out there in the world where at least Phil did, you know, have that relationship in whatever way it was with Bronco Henry. That's why he, you know, like I said, I, I think that's partially why he doesn't want to bathe. That's why he's, you know, sniffing a handkerchief. I'm I'm sure he's never, you know, washed that handkerchief. Yeah. You know. Um, it's it's the last thing he has of, of you know the person he really cared for, and that just really also can be another way in which they act as false one another. Just like it's not just a a thing of principle. It's not just thing of cleanliness. Da, da, da. It's like literally this man who 
gave them everything they had, they had very different relationships with him, you know, and that impacts their relationship with brothers too, and the way they handle their business. Yeah, that's that's right. Um, I was gonna go back on something that Tim has said too about the um, artistic nature and being connected to gayness. And I was thinking that, I don't know if that was, because I was thinking about that, like, I don't know if they were trying to do, if the film is trying to do that as like a stereotype, but more so saying that it's, it's, it's not the fact that they're artistic and, you know, gay or whatever. It's just the fact that they are this way, but they have to hide it. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So, so which in, in turn leads to a character like Phil, who is the more, um, toxic masculine who has to go out of his way to be masculine because he can't not be accepted for the more quote-unquote feminine things that he enjoyed because we see that he he does like he has his own like little hidden little nook with the little tent where he go and he actually does in a sense bathe in that lake or whatever yeah and he has he has all these different things there that no one would ever know about or a certain appreciation for, you know, art and also like the, um, the male aesthetic. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I think that that also could be something to be said about the title of the power of the dog. What if, cause, cause based off what you said about with the Romans, for example, what if that also just represents society as a whole as that, that the society is those is the pack is the pack of dogs with this pack mentality and anything yeah. that's outside of that mentality that what gets pounced on and that what gets torn into pieces absolutely so, yeah. so that so that that tough exterior that phil is putting on you're saying he's adopting that because of what's necessary from the public and anything that's kind of along more his true self he attacks it right it feels like he maybe like dipped his toe into like I could kind of explore my sexuality at Princeton and maybe just got completely slapped down. Like maybe something happened at Princeton where people were like, uh-uh, nope. Like we're just talking about classics here. We're actually not talking euphemistically about about guys. Like we're really here for the classics or something. <laughs> the the football team beat him up or something happened where he was like, I'm never making that mistake again. Like I'm gonna so overcorrect and be the most, you know, ridiculous manly man you could ever be. Right. And I don't know. I mean, it's just Yeah, because either because you know, because part of the thing is I, I took George so literally that I didn't consider some of the other stuff that you talked about. Well, well, I said I said took him so well. Excuse me, I I did I took nothing he said literally. That's actually what I meant to say. So when he's like, you know, uh, Phil went to Princeton and they had like whichever politician there along with his parents. Mm-hmm. I just assumed he was this almost speaking, um, as you say, euphemistically or kind of jokingly. Oh, you know, he's off. Looking at the classics, you know, he loves his classics. When, when like the parents know he doesn't, you know, be into that stuff. But I mean, the governor wouldn't know any different. And, you know, his um his missus um can't even play the piano. Um barely now again, like now all they know is they don't know that she's been feeling some pressure and this and that, blah, blah, blah. But feels like if you can play it, you can play it. And the thing is, the reason I I felt like Phil really wasn't pushing buttons that weren't unfair was because the way that they kind of uh the director chooses to like as they're bringing the piano because she's like oh you didn't have to do this and he's like oh no yeah I did you know it's like like it's almost like you know like either a really uncomfortable moment gonna happen or something really funny is about to happen because she's like oh no 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 you don't have to do this and he's like no 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 I do. And then she's like, well, I only play tunes. And he's like, that's fine with me. And she's like, you know, I don't even remember the tones. And he's like, whatever you want to play. And she's oh, like, so oh sad. no, like I really don't want to do this. And then she's sitting there trying to practice. And then just to like slap his ego on the table, he's like, band, like whatever song she playing, he gonna play it, you know, way better than she was. 
And then be like, yeah, like you might as well have like dropped the mic on her. And then next thing you know, she's just drinking all the time. But the thing is, it made me feel like, yeah, okay, like so when people are practicing, they ain't played enough for a minute, it can be hard to get your rhythm back, but it shouldn't be that hard. That's not a hard song. And so he's looking at like she's a fraud. Like my brother just brought this fraud in here and she's going to be trying to just sit up here and, and, you know, just it, siphon off of everything. And then she said for sneak drinking, like he just had beef with her for reasons that like, while he's being cruel, they, they're not like totally illegitimate reasons to be like, what are you doing here? Yeah. Like what? And they're rich. Oh, yeah. That's another thing. Like yeah. I was thinking like, he's just like, think off back that this woman was a gold dick. And, he, and she can't even play piano right. I don't blame him. <laughs> like, it's just, I'm not saying it justifies stuff he's doing, but it's like, from his point of view, you a fraud and you shouldn't even be here right now. I mean, he's tried to bury his sexuality completely and like stay like a perpetual kid with his brother where they're always talking about Bronco Henry and they're like sleeping mm-hmm. in twin beds side by side when they're like 40, <laughs> 42 years old or whatever their ages are. Mm-hmm. And he just sees her as like a threat to his whole way of life. And like, if my brother's going to grow up, oh no, I have to grow up too. And I'm going to have, if my brother's a sexual person, I, people are going to start questioning what my situation is. So he really right. wants just, he sees her as a huge threat. And like, is she putting on airs? Totally. She's fronting. She like wants to, oh, yeah. there's like, you know, a bigger deal than she is to impress George. And George also mm-hmm, wants to impress mm-hmm. her. And, and and this is before yeah. Facebook and stuff, or people like calling the Bursch's <laughs> office to check and see if you got a degree and all this. Like you could say you're good at anything. Just like when we were watching, uh, I forgot which, like I can't remember the name of the oh the harder they fall. Uh, we watch, you know, and people were like, I'm this kind of shot. I'm this kind of shot. And it's like really, back in the day, anybody could say they were a good shot, and they could get themselves a nickname, and then have a couple people say their name, and then like. Maybe they get lucky and accidentally a guy shoots himself. He's like, oh, my God, he's the fastest shot I've ever seen. You know, like, you can lie about anything back then. It really didn't matter. You just had to talk your shit. And if people believed you, it was done. So, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just kind of funny. Like, that's that's just how things were back then. So, to it's not like I blame her for, like, you know, like you said, trying to embellish things that she's supposed to be amazing at. And then... Maybe when it's time to practice, you'll just suddenly like it'll just click. But you know, I don't know. It, it, it's all it's a hilarious movie. In some ways, it's a comedy to me. Um, <laughs> it's not like there's there's no like you said, there's no like you know, you're slapping your knee moments, but it's just like I was so uncomfortable watching her, like, because I'm like, oh no, this is not gonna go right. She's <laughs> like really trying not to play this piano. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's movie. It's very interesting. I just feel like my I, and I kind of stick to. It. I just feel like Phil was the big victim in the whole film. I, yeah, I, I, I know. It's it's much I don't as feel nothing happened, for Rose. I, do, I feel bad for Phil. Yeah, I feel nothing for Rose. I feel nothing for Peter. I feel, but then also I think I kind of I think I relate to him more just from the the aspect of like, um. And I and maybe I'm just speaking for myself. I say like for a lot of um, black men, they have to oh be like overly masculine and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Just like me, for example, me myself, I've had multiple people say that they thought I was gay. Mm-hmm. I I never said nothing, you know. Yeah, it, I've had it, it happen just, to me too. But this is like, see, hey, what's that mean? And it's like, and it's like you sit there and you think to yourself, this is mind boggling. Like, why, why me? Why do you think that I'm gay? It's never really a good, like, legit reason. It'd be something like, oh, you talk with your hands, or oh, you don't like sports, or oh, you know what I'm saying? But then if I was a white man, it wouldn't have been the same thing, right? I, I as a reporter, I've had people like I was doing a story and they were like, Look, we're both gay, right? We can talk about this. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was like, no, no, I don't, I don't know how to answer this because I don't want to be like, like act like I'm offended. You can tell me anyway, however. But just so we're clear, like, I don't want to make this awkward, but actually, no. Did like, they then say to you, Tim, well, you're one of the good ones. You're one of the good <laughs> You're a credit to the heterosexuals. <laughs> right. And I mean, at the end of the day, to each his own. Like, if you, you know, you're homosexual, whatever, but I'm just saying, like, for a person who... 
who it, I guess depending also on your culture or whatever, you don't want um, people to think that you gay. It could be a problem, you know, depending on your culture. What well, we, we're, we're kids yeah. of the 80s. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, in the entertainment yeah, so you, class, back then, yeah. Good. Yeah, back then, you yeah. know, it, it could it could be a problem. And so, <laughs> and so I know a lot of people, even me myself, who would try to act harder or, or a lot more, you know, certain type of way, just just because we felt like we had to in a way. Oh, dude, we t- mm-hmm. I talk about this with my friend all the time. My best friend who I went to high school with, like we graduated in 93. There was like one kid who was perceived to be gay. He was like the Peter of our school. And mm-hmm. like the liberal, cool, like progressive thing to do was to go like, oh no, he's cool. Don't worry, he's not gay. And that wasn't that wasn't like the cool thing to do would have been to go, so what? Leave him the fuck alone. Who cares? It's none of your business. Yeah. But yeah, whether he is or not, yeah. But we we were so stupid, we thought that the cool thing to do was to go like, no, he's not. Don't bother him. Like, which is yeah, just well, which is like, but, but it's like here, here's the thing. Three. But here's the thing. You're right. Like adult Tim looking back on the past is right. But you probably did the right thing at the time. Fucking weird though, because it's just- it, it, it's it's fuck yeah. I mean, it, it it's bad. It's bad. But it's just like leave the kid alone, right? I mean. Now you should, you know, it's kind of like when people say something like, I don't see color and you're like, no, 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 see me, see me. Like you're not, this is not uh, actually helping. See me. Well, it was also just denial because if we'd been like, no, gays are cool. Like don't, don't mess with him. Whatever he, whatever he does is totally fine. And he is a right. Love is love. All the things we should have said. And the reason we didn't is because we were like, well, if we say that, it's like the crucible, right? If we say being mm, gay, yeah. then we must be gay too. And then they're going to beat us up. Yeah. And yeah. So that, I mean, but that's what I'm saying. It, it's like, you're just trying to self-preserve. You're not there to like start a social movement. Um, and, you know, so back, because back then just things were different. I think the ways that you could even communicate certain things, like it, the speed of it, the, just the ways that, society has changed and, and the thing is because you know as as people got older and were more open and could talk about these things they in you know mainstream media and all sorts of other ways have like changed ideas and you know policy has moved in directions that are more favorable so that people don't have to go out and, and be concerned if they're being honest about who they are which is great you know but um you know we were just talking about our time 1920s it ain't no damn way you could be honest about nothing concerning that you know what i mean i was hey. it's crazy that was almost a 400 years ago uh from when the movie is and yeah i mean like it was it was literally a lifetime of difference yeah phil couldn't be no gay cowboy it would, it would change his whole lifestyle yeah you know? now, yeah. now if phil had lived until Brokeback mountain came out oh my yeah, god yeah, he'd be like oh my god times have changed you know times <laughs> I can be who I am now at, at but, 105. But I also think there is something to be said about like what social bodies we, um, I guess that's what I'm thinking of, like that we put on certain people and what we put on to what is what is feminine and what is masculine. And also j- just because you engage in feminine more, what people consider more feminine activities shouldn't necessarily mean that you're gay. The same way as that, just because you're rugged or you engage in things that's considered to be more masculine, will make you heterosexual. Well, well, and based back, on what know. we're talking about, too, I, let me ask you a question because you've seen some of the Wire, right? How you finished it? Who? The Wire, HBO, The Wire. Like the old show, The Wire. Yeah. Yeah, I watched it years ago. Okay, so who, who, who's <laughs> the you. scarier? Who's the scarier gay character? Peter or Omar? Omar. Okay. Well, I was just yeah, checking. But, but we know, but we know Omar everything. was straight, was straight kill somebody though. I mean, being so Peter, you mess with his mama. That's a lot of people, I guess. But, but oh, you said Peter, you saying Phil. See, I still think that Peter not gay. I think it could be <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. because that go back to the point that I'm making is that like, is Peter gay? Do we think that Peter is gay just because Phil think he's gay and because of how how he dresses and how he walks 
Well, There's nothing so, else so, in the movie yeah. that let us know that Peter is gay in the way that we know that Phil is gay because based off the things that he has said. I'm playing and off what Tim off said. Books. Yeah, I'm playing off what Tim said. When you and I talked, I didn't actually just assume Peter was gay. Because, but that's what I'm like, saying. The reason why we we would even assume that he gay is because we have a certain mindset of what a gay person looks like. Well, well, more just the way the society at large, in my sense, society like there's a bunch of people, but the the cowboys themselves and and feel how they treated Peter and you know the sort of stereotypes that they were hitting the wood and all that. I mean, you know, you're soft, you're this, you're that, you wear your jeans like this, da 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 da. Yeah, and that's another thing is is being quote unquote soft necessarily make you homosexual also. A- because once again, wasn't I and Phil is on the whole side of the super masculine, hyper masculine spectrum, but we do understand that his character is gay. Yeah, but, but back no, in the day, nothing. you would never like it's like being that kind of, of man would mean you can't possibly be gay. Like that was the whole point of his but that that's what I'm facade. saying. But that's that's yeah, and that's yeah. the whole point of him being that man. So it seems like the problem at large is is how how we view people, how we view each other, and then. But that's that's what's so funny because like he basically was like, "Look at this beautiful ass flower," and then like crushed it. <laughs> oh no, he burned it and then put it in the water. Right. But he was like, "That shit is kind of dope, though." Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> he talks with a lisp as he does it. Oh yeah, all right. of that. It's kind of this is like a really kind of hacky joke, but it's like those like conservative religious leaders who like condemn the gay community and then like know very specific things about it. And it's like, how did you know about that? That's I mean, because it is gay people in the church, though. Yeah, well, of it, course, it, they yeah. definitely they're definitely closeted, and they're like, no. like they be like condemning like a gay club. Like, how you know about the gay club? Yeah, right. It's like that. It's like, <laughs> I didn't know that was a gay club. Uh huh. No, it'd be like. It'd be like gay people who are like either say that they um like that one dude say I'm not gay no more. Uh, or, I, I, oh yeah, have you seen that video Tim? No, it's just like it's a, like some dude in the church and he he's like I'm not gay no more. I'm not gay. And the whole church is like oh and like they you oh. know yeah. Um, it was, it's it, it was some years ago. It was it was funny back in the day. It was but um, I gotta find it. Yeah, it, it, it's absolutely absurd because the dude I was like a paid actor essentially. Um, oh God! But anyway, no. no like, but you know he had some follow up videos where he talked about going on a date with a woman. Did you see that? <laughs> Man, it was a long time ago. Y'all got to watch it. Y'all got to watch that on y'all long time. But anyway, blends perfectly into like episodes <laughs> where there's like multiple characters who are definitely very closeted. Oh my goodness, that's so damn funny. Multiple characters were now. Who are like very clo- like I think like half the characters in Righteous Gemstone are closeted. Man, that is. Oh, so I need to watch funny. that. I need to watch that show. Especially yeah. like what isn't isn't that one guy named Keith actually the the ex Calvin, Calvin and Keith or Keith? Yeah, but, I think it's Keith. Oh, but Keith. what's funny about Keith is not only that Keith is closeted gay, but also he's an ex devil worshiper. Yeah. Oh my God, he's like the man. Best but anyway, that's that show is hilarious. You gotta watch it. Man. But right. um but I guess the rest of the audience as well. Yeah, I think I think we can pretty much close up on this. Um, did y'all have any closing thoughts? I'll say I appreciate this movie even more after hearing uh Tim's read on it. Cause I mean I I liked some stuff about it, but yeah, I think you really did kind of open my eyes to new ways to to look at it. And yeah, I mean, I, I think this is a good movie. I mean, it's definitely worth your time. It's on Netflix, you know, it's uh Right around two hour runtime, I believe. On top of my head, yeah. I can't remember. Watch it in the daytime because you might fall asleep at night. Yeah. I was, <laughs> watch it with the sun up. I started. It, I, I started with my wife, and I was like, "I'm not gonna make it. This seems really slow." And then I watched it again by myself, and I was like, "Holy shit, this movie is perfect!" So I would say, watch it from beginning to end, all the way through. Yeah, really definitely do that. Screenwriting standpoint, and from like a casting, I do think it's like a perfect movie. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I mean, it really uh, does a good job of making you feel like you're in that in that moment. Speaking of not doing that, though, the new Halo trailer, which is actually pretty good, has a 2001 Chevy Tahoe 
like in the trailer like it is the funniest <laughs> shit like you like watching all this like futuristic stuff aliens coming down you know and, and master chief's like punching one in in the in the face and then like so i took a screenshot they were like why is there a 2001 chevy tahoe 500 years in the future <laughs> <laughs> it's like scientology oh i don't want to talk about scientology <laughs> it's funny that the spacecraft that they imagined like flying to the outer reaches of the universe was the most modern spacecraft that came out at the time that there i mean was. we never advanced past that we just got bigger jets right uh, better combustion engines <laughs> we have solved moore's law that's a bunch of inside jokes anyway um what well, look if you've made it this far uh first off you must really like this movie too um so we would also recommend that since you liked our critique and discussion of the film that you give a follow you tell a friend about it uh write a review if you feel so inclined and make sure to include five stars on that bad boy um keith anything else uh that people should know about uh that you're no. doing projects anything no, nothing at all. But um, they can follow us on Instagram at the Low Key Pod. Please do that, uh, Tim. A really, really fantastic uh, print uh, issue of Movie Maker has just come out. Okay. Definitely subscribe so you can get a hold of that. <clears throat> Lots of stuff on the Batman and many other things, but some exclusive content that has been aggregated throughout the internet, and at least they're giving you guys credit for. <laughs> yeah, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> oh any any uh thing else uh you want to mention tim before we close out no just please follow us please subscribe everything aaron and keith have already said follow us on the low-key pod um we'd like to there's always that thing of like they don't want to hear from me they don't want my opinion we really do yeah no for real we really do yeah they're really? lovely and you know maybe we'll find a way to do something live and talk with people we were thinking about using twitter spaces it's just complicated in a way we don't really love but um we'll figure out a way to to do some other things that are fun too so um we'll be back hopefully next wednesday as long as nobody is not sick again i got my kids are bringing daycare germs. i can't talk daycare germs home all the time so i'm making no promises but i'm gonna try this has been a really hard winter season though dude Oh, I we have some start. We could swap some stories. Seriously, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, we'll make that happen <laughs> offline. Well, we appreciate y'all. Thanks for coming this far, and we we'll see you next week. All right, peace. Peace. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>